0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we will talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Dr. Lauren Falk, and I will be hosting today's episode. Today, I am joined by Muskego High School girls track coach, specifically sprints coach, Jerome Michon. And we are going to dive into his philosophies of teaching and building up the sprinting athlete in high school. Specifically, we will cover his thoughts on his coaching philosophies, the importance of mechanics, and the importance of quality versus quantity of training and really respecting recovery in the athlete. I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode today, and we really look forward to sharing this with you. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Falk, and I am joined today by Coach Jerome Michon. Coach Michon is the head uh, girls track and field coach and cross country too? Not cross country. Just track track and field. field. Um, And he more or less specializes in the sprints and hurdles for the team. So Mosquito has seen a lot of success on the track and we're here today to learn a little bit more about that. So coach, thank you so much for having us or joining us on our podcast.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, I'm very honored to be here and uh, hopefully uh, share a few things that have helped us and help other coaches.
0: Absolutely. That's the idea. So to start off, you're actually a teacher, a math teacher, right? At Franklin High School.
1: I am at Franklin High School as as Rich Rainey would say, well we won't say it but you know, he's happy to have me at Muskego Coaching though.
0: Now what um classes do you teach there at Franklin?
1: I teach math and computer programming.
0: So what ranges of math is it like algebra, geo, all of the above?
1: Uh, I have taught all the above, but the last few years when I'm teaching computer programming to limit the number of math classes to prepare for, been honors pre calc or pre calc classes and computer programming we have three different levels. So I'm prepping for wow. four different classes and Holy cow. It's, kind of, it's busy, but... <laughs> do you sleep ever? <laughs> well, some people wonder, but <laughs> I do. I sleep very well
0: at night. That's good. I'm impressed then. So we teach at Franklin, but we coach at mosquito Explain that one to me. How'd that that's, happen?
1: Well, I used to coach at Franklin, but I resigned. I have five kids, and they are about nine years apart between all of them. And Wow. Yeah. So that's what, what happened in about 2010-ish, right around there. I resigned from head, head cross-country <laughs> coach for boys at Franklin, and head Track coach, I uh, still considered or still helped out with um, track for a little while mm-hmm. uh, as a halftime coach or volunteer coach for about yeah. three or four years. And at the time when my daughter Abigail was uh, a freshman in the uh, fall of 2013, uh, she um, was doing cross country and I kind of got to know Coach Rainey a little bit over the previous few years from coaching against the Mosquito. And, yeah. and as it turned out, he goes to me. In September he goes. I need a sprints and hurdles coach. I said no. <laughs> he goes to me in October. I need a sprints and hurdles coach. I was like, I can't do it. He goes to me in November. Same thing. December and then finally January. He said it again. And I said, let's let's think about this. And I thought about it. I'm like, hey, I got a chance to coach my own kid. I'll be at yeah. all the meets anyways. Uh, why not? You know, get paid to be around my kid and coach. And yeah, I I know sprints. I know hurdles. And I need one. And my daughter really loves track and field. Yeah. And I said, well, I want hopefully it'd be a good experience. And she already had me as a coach a little bit with doing some rec, rec baseball and I've coached her through some summer stuff with USATF track and... Yeah. So it turned out that, all right, I talked to the family, we made it work out and uh, it's been good ever since. I've had an opportunity to coach my daughter Abigail who's now uh, in her fourth year at Whitewater and my mm-hmm. daughter Elizabeth who's a second year at lacrosse and my daughter Therese who's a senior at Muskego.
0: That's awesome. And who knew that Rich Raining would be persistent, right? Yes. <laughs> but I guess it's a good thing that he did. Yes. So tell us, you know, you're saying you have a background, so what got you into coaching?
1: Well, I, it's kind of funny, is that I didn't know I was going to be a teacher when I went to college. And oh, really? Yeah, I just, I thought I'd do something with math because I enjoyed math, math stuff, but mm-hmm. I was highly involved with sports as a kid, uh, growing up in West Dallas, to, for all those West Dallas people out there that grew <laughs> up there, great rec department system when I grew up there. You go to the summer playground, you play all day and play on a baseball team, well, eventually I worked at that summer playground and I was able to coach a third and fourth grade baseball team. and kind of enjoyed that, and I officiated basketball and player baseball during that time, too, in high school and into college. And yeah. uh, when I got to college, my student taught at Southwestern High School uh, in the fall, and I was able to talk to the cross-country coach, Bob Colby, out there and offered I'd be willing to volunteer to help out, and that's how it started was with that. And in my first job teaching at Lake Geneva Badger during my second year there, I was assistant cross-country coach uh, with Mike Butcher. And then Ken Strunk, uh, our track coach there, mm-hmm. uh, I did distance and high jump. So that's where I started off with uh, at Badger High School and then my first couple, three, three, four years of teaching.
0: And the rest is history, huh? Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. So you've obviously brought those talents to Muskego. Muskego is known for their their running programs. You know, you've know, you definitely been a presence in this state. So they've had some success in the track and field world in the area. Give us a little general rundown of that success over the last few years.
1: Uh, well, it's been kind of interesting. We've set a lot of school records in a time, which, you know, of course, the talent helps a lot and the hard working attitude of our athletes. Yeah. I just think we've been in a, a good place with some people, and I think just pieces came together. Uh, I think the right coaching staff, that's been the biggest thing. You know, we, we say we feel like we've got one of the best coaching staffs in the state. We get along very well, we want to do what's best for kids. and. I think that's what really helped with our success is that we're all on the same page yeah. we want what's best for kids and we've learned to individualize a lot of uh, our types of workouts i think that's been Absolutely. very important uh also about the amount of rest and and what we put on our work and then make the work count i think that's the biggest thing is like if we're gonna do this let's do quality not quantity mm-hmm. and make that quality be good and make sure that we're recovering i think those are some of the things that have been successful and you know, over the years, we've been very fortunate. I just happen to look up and just trying to see, it's like we were sectional champs. I think four or five of those past eight years, and mm-hmm. regional champs also. And that that really tells us the depth of our team too. That we have. It's you know, not just one year. or two. It's not, and it's just not one or two people. Yeah. You know, it's a team. You know, and I think that's the thing. You you pick the discipline, like distance or jumps or throws. We've always had kids scoring points and multiple kids and all those things in sprints, and it's been great to see that and just. We've been fortunate enough to have 11 events qualify for state or 12 events or 14 wow. events qualify the last five six years and it's it's been fabulous i mean yeah. very fortunate and blessed with what we have and you know you hope you can keep that going
0: it's a significant presence you know you know it's interesting i um reflecting on your coaching staff and after having getting having the opportunity to get to know you guys over the last couple of years i mean i always comment just talking about the fact of like high school coaches are all teachers first, you know? I mean, that's your number one job, that's your number one paying job is to be a teacher. And that alone is time consuming, nevertheless, the fact that you're a parent. Then on top of that, if you wanna be a good teacher, you have to spend extra time on that to figure out your lesson planning and engaging your kids and learning all these new things that academia wants you to do in school. And then on top of that, we I coach on top of that job description. And that's even just about being present, nevertheless, doing that extra service of really thinking about those workouts that you're putting into those kids. And then you're saying you guys take it even one step further and really try to individualize it, which I agree You know, with all of your athletes that I've interacted with you. Everyone's got a plan based off of what they're capable of. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot to be said for that. But, you know, I think I give you guys a ton of credit and every other coach out there that's doing this where... That's a lot of time invested. In, I mean, it just shows you how much teachers truly love what they do. Yes. Um, I think that's a testament to it. Um, and just how passionate you are about creating good opportunities for these kids in the classroom and out of the classroom. But, you know, I hope that everyone that's listening appreciates just how much effort that really does take. And why I say, like I say it half joking, but you wonder if you guys ever sleep. I We know CJ doesn't sleep, but that's for a whole host of reasons. But, you know, I just look at this and I'm so appreciative of coaches like you who really invest that time and care into that because I do think that that adds into the quality and the end result of what you get with your athletes. I mean, like you were saying, you know, let's make this quality work. And that takes a lot of thought process into it, you know. And I and I really thank you guys for that, as I'm sure your athletes do. I hope that they do and hope that they realize how much you have there. But, you know, I think you're saying this, like, part of what's making you a successful program is that you do take your work very seriously, but you take your rest very seriously and you take that individual efforts. That all adds up to that total sum of that long-standing presence that you guys have had in the state. You know, and that, like you said, it's not just one year, it wasn't a fluke that we've had some success, mm-hmm. it's that you're showing consistency across many years. And that's, there's a lot to be said as to the programming and the effort that goes into that to help create that consistency. It takes having good bodies, don't get me wrong, right? Yes. you got to have something to work with. But, you know, th- what's cool about it, and I'm sure you experience this all the time, the adolescent body is a sponge. Oh, yes. And when you build it correctly, there's a lot of great things that can come from it.
1: Oh, yeah. A lot of, a lot of great things can come from it. You know, teach them how to move their body correctly. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. All of a sudden, you can all of a sudden just see things happen. If, you, and if they stick with the process and the plan, all of a sudden you get towards the end of the season, all of a sudden they're just blowing away times and jumping distances that they've never done before, and, and they're loving it, and they're just having fun.
0: Absolutely. I think that's actually a perfect segue to tell us a little bit about your coaching philosophy. You've had this, you kind of have this more longitudinal view now that you've done this for so many years, so I'm sure you've had that opportunity to step back and reflect on this a little bit. How would you explain your general coaching philosophy? Uh,
1: first of all, I think one thing we have to remember, that sport is an outlet, and if we're not having fun, then why are we doing it? And I think that's one thing I really want to try to do is let's let's have fun. We can work hard, but we can have fun as we do it. So like one of the things I think back to when I was coaching my sprints at Franklin with the guys, and I said, hey, all right, we're ready. Here we go. We can do our next rep. Here we go. Focus on it. Do what we have to focus on. If it's your running form, if it's your arms, your knee lift, your foot plant, whatever it is. But as soon as it's we're in our next rest rep, you guys can joke around, have fun. I think that's what they're allowed to do, and I. I see that's just so beneficial because they can be themselves. Um, there's probably some uh, joking around that I don't know what goes on. But it's okay. They can say cool. right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's I think the biggest thing is having some fun, and then from there, and letting know that we let's celebrate the little successes. I one of my sayings is "bam." Uh, when we get something done. I just say, bam, there we go. We, You know, celebrate. You just yeah. worked really hard. Yeah. Be proud of what you've done. I think that's part of it, too, is that you can celebrate or like, woo, doggy, let's hang out. So <laughs> uh, I, I like to start off with that part is that this is fun and this is great and we're going to make mistakes along the way and that's okay. I said, I love when you make mistakes because that's a chance to grow and learn. You know, one thing that we've got a, a great leadership program group going on in the mornings at Muskegon now. and. I've been sitting in and listening to them when I can. And one thing we talk about growth mindset, you know, that's probably one of the biggest catchwords phrases right now going on is that, what is it? You have a growth mindset right now. Do you look at the negative or do you look at it as an opportunity to grow? And I think that's where our girls are loving that right now that, Hey, we're going to make mistakes and that's okay. We're going to learn from it and keep on going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are probably a couple of my main things at the start. But if we, let's, if we talk about strategies of coaching, actually the actual track and field, um, so, we got took care of the mindset part, kind of a positive mindset. But the physical part is teaching the body right mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right arm positions, foot plant. Uh, you know, we, we do it from day one in our warm ups. And one of my things is that whatever we do, if it doesn't make us faster, stronger, explosive, or better mechanics, then why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. And those are the things I look at. And I said, everything that we do, from our general prep warm up beforehand, just to get the body movement, to our sprint, you know, prep, warm up and our little drills. Uh, at the same time, I believe in two is that a little bit each day, not a lot at once. Mm -hmm. So if you do it in moderation, you're not tearing down those muscles, you're not, you're not wearing things out and you get a chance to develop them and you do it a little bit at a time looking at the big picture instead of just the short term. And I think last of all is the minor, uh, the amount of proper rest and work. Uh, we have a middle of the day that we, or middle of the week, we call off days. We call them working off days. So what we'll do is on a Wednesday, let's just say, like mm-hmm. Monday would be some short all-out speed, maybe some endurance uh, speed on Tuesday. But Wednesday we would maybe just do a light warm up. We work on our in-place handoff batons. Or maybe we just work and putting ourselves in body position for jumps, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of getting that right, you know, with the toe up, knee heel, whatever the case is. Maybe hurdles, we're just step walking over some hurdles for that day and that's it. But we're not doing any type of pounding of our joints in that. Yeah. and that. And our muscles rest. And we're making sure that rest days become rest days and workout days become workout days because half the training is the recovery. And I think a lot of people miss out on that. Mm-hmm. Now it's not the more you do, it's the quality you do, and you and you, you keep a limit to it. I think that's the important part. Yeah. Like, for example, you can get you can probably get five to seven really good block starts. After that, the neural system starts to get fried. So mm-hmm. then that's it. We're gonna get you know four to five in today, or four to six, and we'll get another set in in a couple of days again.
0: Well, I think that's something too. When what people don't appreciate about explosive events like sprinting and things like that is. You know, they think, oh, I'm not running that far, so it's not that much, or it's not that hard, or I barely got winded, you know, because before before you've even started, it's over, you know. But they don't really take into account that neurologic fatigue and those things that are really hard to physically see from the outside, but that are happening on the inside and appreciate that in their training. Yeah, Um, Cale talked about that in his uh, podcast about, you know, understanding that quality over quantity and that like, yeah, you might not think you worked that hard, but when you're putting maximal effort in, you really need to let that body recover. Um, but it's not like you just ran a marathon and you're gassed at the end of it. And that, I think that can be a little deceiving, especially to a young athlete to appreciate that. Yeah, you did five to seven block starts and they probably think, Hey, I could have done a double, no big deal, but they don't necessarily see that qualitative change that occurs or we can't necessarily directly see that neurologic fatigue that goes on in that.
1: And we don't always have to see that you're totally exhausted <laughs> to know right. that you worked out hard and you got something good and I think that's they Appreciating that. Yeah. Which is exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's a very cool thing and we appreciate that a lot here with how we train people and things like that. But definitely hard, it's a, it's an education point with young athletes nonetheless. Yes.
1: I've already, you know, we, every year you have maybe a freshman who's out for the first time and they'll end up you know, I don't know where they're at when we first come to practices. Like, you know, I kind of have a rough idea. They've informed me. Like, I've done this much working out. But I tell them, hey, if anything, I want you to be cautious and do less than more right now. Mm-hmm. But you'll have the little overzealous ones that yeah. want to prove themselves keep right away. Keep keep going, yeah. And what happens? All of a sudden, they push hard, too hard, through, and now they tweak something. Nice. Yeah. And so trying to get them to buy into that. And you know, you have other ones that listen, and they. I said, do too little. I'd rather you do ten percent too little than one percent too much. Mm-hmm. Because one percent too much means you get injured. Now you're out. Now you can't have fun playing track and field with your friends. Yeah. And so, but if you're ten percent under, guess what? You're back the next day, and we can see where you're at, and we can always tweak it up a little bit. Can farther. always do a little bit more later on. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to undo what you overdid. So that's that's another thing that we kind of really emphasize and. We want to avoid it, but you know, obviously, some kids learn through experience and they realize, okay, I'm not going to do that. Absolutely,
0: yep. Sometimes, sometimes you got to touch the oven while it's hot to know,
1: that's right, you know,
0: and and it's fun, you know. And kids, you know, if they're really motivated over stuff, they just want to dig in sometimes. It's about learning that balance. Um, and just I think this is an age group where you're learning your body a ton, Uh you know, and that there's a lot to be said for that in terms of how your body's developing, you know, all the other stressors that go into it. You know, it's not even just. The sport that you're doing right there. It's also the school, you know, the stress of school, how much are you sleeping? All those things, as you know, play into this. Yep. Um, all those wellness pieces that add into that. And so having that respect of all those pieces that come into it and knowing, Hey, I'd rather you kind of err on the side of maybe you just didn't do enough versus too much kind of also respects all those other things that are going into their pot, that's right you know on a daily basis you Mm -hmm. know you have
1: some athletes who are training in another sport at the same time doing maybe club volleyball or club soccer whatever and so having those conversations up front and transparent is very important and you kind of work around some of those i've Mm -hmm. learned to do that and we've had some success and yeah uh, as we've gone along because i'm like all right that's a hard day in volleyball guess what that's gonna be a hard day of running so if you don't have volleyball on wednesday that's gonna be your easy day you're gonna do nothing also because again let's make those recovery days recovery days
0: yeah no and that's that's so refreshing to hear that you have those built in so if we kind of look at like maybe starting with like a young athlete like you get a freshman so what's your approach to developing a young sprinter and progressing them through high school what's your conversation with those freshmen when they come in and the picture that you're trying to paint for them of what this process is going to look like for them
1: uh, one thing is we do have great leadership within our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say juniors and seniors are leaders, and then captains emerge, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we teach them that you have a chance to leave a mark, a positive mark, with uh, these younger girls, and hopefully they'll leave a mark when they go, and you can be a part of that. And yeah. So as it turns out that uh, we'll have them teach them how to do things right and get them right. So we make little pod groups sometimes of like seven or eight, and they'll take them through and teach them how to do stuff. And as coaches, we'll just rotate around and Say hey, is it lift up your knee more. Lift you or get in the right body position. Yeah. So teach them correct mechanics is one of our biggest things, mm-hmm. uh, and we do that from you know freshman year up to senior year even. Yeah. But give them those correct mechanics early because that prevents injuries, and mm-hmm. we want to be as injury free as possible. Yeah, and that's one of our goals. So if you can land on the ball of your foot instead of high in your toes, you know, be what I like to call a loaded position when you land, such so your ankles in that dorsiflex position, mm-hmm. so as soon as you hit the ground, you can spring off the ground and. Uh, you know, landing your foot underneath your hip, not in front of you, so you have more of a propelling motion instead of a stopping. And So, those types of things. Posture, we do a lot of um, actually what I call dynamic core work. Mm. Uh, we do a lot of like banana hurdle runs, but holding our core tight as we run because sprinting's not where you're crunching, sprinting's where you're up, you have good body posture. So, we're working yeah. on holding that body posture and While you know, those types moving. of things. Yeah. We'll video a lot of things too and we'll show it to them. We'll throw them into a Google folder or whatever and they have access to it then. And, we'll even say some here's what i saw look back at the video tonight you know and so that's been exciting that the yeah. girls really like like that type of stuff and visual feedback absolutely it, yeah, it's, it's been very helpful and you know with our coaching staff we got enough where we can have one person video it uh and as they walk back around they can play back the video show them quickly here look at your body position you could probably make this minor adjustment you know and, yeah then i will work on it and we always say you can only get better at one thing at a time let's Get that one thing better. Not
0: overload that brain. Focus on one thing at a time. And, you know, you think about it, too, just even having that conversation with them. Like, I think a lot of kids want to be good immediately. Yes. Like, they want that instant gratification. We're in that world now. We have all of our social media that teaches us that we want to be amazing right then and now. What's that conversation point with that freshman who's like, I'm ready to go. I really want this. You know, where are those expectations laid out? over the course of their four years. What's that bigger picture from an expectation standpoint of performance?
1: To start off with like our first meets of the year, in a a normal season, we have an indoor season. A lot of times those first couple meets, we're only gonna put them in like one event and just say, let's just get you, let's go through the process of a meet uh, here's the warm up pr- procedure. Here's how you in the blocks. Here's where you check in. All that type of stuff, and just say focus on that one event. You know, maybe they'll have a second event if it's a field event, mm-hmm. but we try to limit it and just give them that experience to feel comfortable and build that confidence. I think mental confidence is a is a big thing. Yeah, uh, I've noticed you know over the years coaching both males and females and having that positive self talk. It doesn't matter which gender you are because they all have that doubt at times. And mm-hmm. just say hey, you're here. Let's just make this good right now. And what I like to do is point out the positive. I said, if you can't pick out some positive things that happen, then this will never be fun. Mm, and it goes yeah. back to my thing is sport is supposed to be, fun, be fun. But yeah. I, I think it's great that you want to keep learning. So what I do is say, you're going to make mistakes. And that's okay going I'll learn from it. And With each time we do something, we're going to get better at it. Mm-hmm. And we talk about you know, c- continuous improvement. You know, Rich had a saying that be better today than you are yesterday and be better tomorrow than you are today. And so you just pick one little Maybe. thing that you're better at. You should you know, get better at each day and make that little bit one thing at a time. Um, so that's kind of what we tell them is that we're gonna get better a little bit at a time and what matters is where we are at the end of the season because that's the championship part of the season. That's the difference with our sport compared to like a ball sport or you know any of those things like that. We have a progression where we have a championship part of the season at the end and that's when we have to perform our best. Mm-hmm. And we always talk to them about that too. is like, it doesn't matter today. if you're not feeling good, take today off, You know, rest, whatever you need. If you're not feeling well, go get some rest. We'll get the workout in what we need. We'll work on it when we need to. and So I think that open-minded communication is really important. Absolutely. And that's how I think the freshmen, you know, sophomores, as they go, they see it. And they see what the older girls do, too, because they've gone through that now. And I think that's been very helpful that I've been in one place for a while because we've set up that system and it plays out itself now.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I think that makes a ton of sense so I mean I 100% agree mechanics are such a big thing and especially in a changing body type in that junior high high school time frame body is like I swear you could blink and a kid grows and changes you know and it's a lot to learn to control it so obviously things flailing all over the place absolutely we say sometimes they look like awkward giraffes I love you all but sometimes you look like that Um, but they get better when we work on all stuff so yeah we address mechanics we kind of teach them the mechanics of you know sprint starts you know coming out of the blocks things like that what are some of the other modalities that you use to help really harness or improve their speed, whether it be strength training, sleds? Like, what are some of the other things outside of just manipulating their body and teaching their body how to move? What are ways that you really harness and push their speed
1: all Jim of the prevent. above. Check. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, weightlifting. Tell us your ways. <laughs> yeah. So one thing is we incorporate weightlifting. We, uh, on the days we're doing explosive strength, explosive uh, type of running work, that's also our leg like days because it's an explosive day. Mm-hmm. And so we have uh, some of the basic Olympic lifts. Most us are kind of explosive, but yeah. keep them lightweight. We start with a small progression. Uh, Danny Malachnik is great in our weight room over He's at Muskego. Amazing, yeah. He has a human performance fight class. A lot of kids have taken it over the summer mm-hmm. lifting. And so that's helped out a lot, and he's a very great resource. that, And he helps us make sure that things are done right. And the, the kids know as they start to go through the system, they know what's good and bad through and proper ways to do things. Yeah, your kids have great exposure in the weight room, that's for sure. So that, that's it's, that's a great thing that we have. So the strength part, I mean, uh, the other days are upper body days. So we do mm-hmm. split it up with our track because of the way that is. Uh, then we also do a lot of technical things, uh, we'll do some things called, uh, like booms. They're, it's a running, to teach your legs how to switch directions basically, cause really sprinting is you gotta make your thigh direction. I like to tell girls, you want your thigh direction to change. You want it from up here, also drive it down mm-hmm. and your other leg has to drive up and yep. your power comes from the driving down and the other parts just recovery. So we, we focus on staying like a kind of like one leg up in here and one down, like you're doing the karate kid thing. And, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden you have to switch legs as quick as you can, but we kind of do it on clap or sound. And so we're teaching mechanics of like how to react to sound, how to drive the legs and not put extra movement in,
0: yeah. uh, incorporating
1: their arms in that. Another thing we do is we incorporate uh, little hops. You know, we don't jump rope really, but it's like jump roping. We teach them how to keep their toes lifted as they're landing on the balls of their feet. Cause that's mm-hmm. a good locked, I like to call it locked and loaded ankle position. Yeah. Um, And so that when you hit the ground, you can spring right away. If you land high on your toes, your foot, you're on your foot, and your foot has to go all the way down your heel, then come off the ground. And part of speed is on the ground and off the ground as fast as you can. So having that correct body position, they're going to learn how to get on the ground and off the ground. So we'll do what I call an ankle pops, or just like little hops like you're jump roping. And mm-hmm. sometimes we'll go back and forth over a line, you know, front and back, side to side, yep. two feet at a time, single leg at a time. And we have a progression. Eventually, we do it on uneven surfaces, maybe even on an incline as as we go along. And we start off small and we say, okay, let's go hop as quick as you can on yep. and off the ground. So that's another thing to work on speed and contact. Yep. Uh, another mm-hmm. thing that we like to do is uh, just working on your acceleration is is having good arm explosion. I like to call it where you split them big. Yeah. So we have this thing that we guys call arm explosion drills, and we'll we'll kind of stand with our feet kind of staggered, like like you're in the blocks, but mm-hmm. and you, but you're standing upright with your knees bent slightly. And what you'll do is you have your hands down in front of you, pretending they're on the line, and we'll even talk about okay. When I clap, which arm's gonna, which elbow's gonna rip backwards, which arm's gonna rip forward, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that and get them to split up big, and we'll yeah. do it on clap, and so that teaches them how to react and split those arms big, and yeah. and we show them video of it. Again, the video concept helps a lot, and then we have one that we call the arm explosion with the hop. We call it the Mario. It's you look like Mario Brothers jumping. It's, yeah, it's hilarious, <laughs> but we, we I, I love this one because what happens is as you explode the blocks, you're supposed to explode and push off both feet, so it teaches them how to push off both legs are use drive with both legs up, mm-hmm. and explode their arms big. Yeah. And so there's another little drill we do. Uh, we do some banana hurdle running drills where we put a line down the middle so that to teach them that they're tracking of their leg too. Mm-hmm. So for technique-wise. So if you're running on a tight rope, that's what we don't want to do. We right. want to make sure that we're on each side of that line just mm-hmm. slightly. And you know, teach them at that first, they overdo it sometimes. It looks like they're running with a a load in their pants, but it gets better as they practice, right? But you know, they at least they know. And we're running over banana rows, trying to hold our core tight. So that's another thing we're doing core work by doing uh staying upright posture, yeah. So a lot of those little details. Then we do some sled pulls, yeah, and we work on kind of like falling starts and exploding into it. Mm -hmm. And then once you get through your acceleration phase, getting upright and tall, learning how to run with a tall posture because you can get more knee lift and more power Truth, out of it. Yeah. If you're bent over at the hip, you can't lift your knee and power down as well. And if you look at any sprinter in slow motion, they're pretty much upright. And it almost feels like you're sitting back in a chair, I tell the girls, mm-hmm. when they're doing it because it's a weird position, but they're they are hammering down with their legs and they're getting great spring off each step. Yeah. So our sleds are, are another good thing that we do. And then what I the is we do? A little bit of resistance. So, uh, one of the things you take like those big long rubber bands Mm -hmm. and put them around their waist or old bike inner tubes work great too and Mm -hmm. what we do is we kind of have them leaning forward with a partner holding it and then on clap they explode out and they're working on their acceleration drill for about three steps yeah and again we'll hit a little bit of that up you know on three or four days a week just two of them with acceleration or two with resistance and two accelerations without resistance okay that's enough for today but just working on keeping our feet low to the ground acceleration because Acceleration has got to stay low so that you're not stepping over and you can push, push, push.
0: Absolutely, yeah, they kind of, I worked, um, I spent some time at Exos, now Altus, but they kind of talk about it's kind of like you're like that airplane taking off, so it's kind of that slow grade, whereas oftentimes people just want to pop themselves right up and be vertical and go, and it's like, no, you got to look like that airplane taking off kind of
1: image. I always tell them it's like when you're pushing a car from a dead stop, you know, you have to keep your, to get that car going, you got to take some quick, shorter, Put your little feet steps to get moving. You can't like just step over like you're stepping over a uh, stair. And so it's like push, push, push. Once you get that car rolling, then you notice you can upright and yeah, you and can push get more upright. Yeah, yeah, and keep
0: going. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I think that helps a ton. Um, so, oftentimes, I think like when we get adolescent athletes in general, they tend to have a lot of misconceptions about what is it that's going to make me a better athlete or a faster athlete. And I think sometimes I've, even like people that I've treated here, they say, well, you know, I think in order to be a better runner, I think I need to like run long distances too, or what, you know, they have all these kind of interesting concepts. So what's kind of that conversation like as you're trying to like pare down that mindset of them of, you know, I, I actually have had girls that run sprints and they're like, oh, but I went for a four mile run the other day and that's going to help. What's that conversation like? As you're trying to kind of just harness their mind around how am I going to make you a better athlete for your sport?
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, well, yeah. So the long distance thing, I'm not a big believer in it. And from uh, you know a lot of the reading I've done and research and the presentations I've seen at our track coaches clinics over the years, is that if you want to become a sprinter, a faster sprinter, you have to do fast things. Yep. And so if you're going for longer distance, you're changing your body mechanics, yeah. uh, the way you run, the way you plant, even. Uh, your cadence might even change a little bit or mm-hmm. your power and so those are some things that you know we talk about that we don't have any hills right by our Muskegon high school the closest ones like a mile and a quarter away and I'm not a big believer of having my sprinters run a mile and a quarter to go do hills and then yeah. come back run a mile, and basically adverse effect to it yeah. So we, that's why we do some sled pulls. We can get our good angles out of it that yeah. way and just go a little bit longer and kind of get some power that way. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to trick them into it a little bit of what the body feels like. And yeah. so we're working on speed. Uh, I tell them too is that we can only do so many reps. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I, they always say, like a high jumper, you're going to have maybe six to eight really good high jumps. Yeah. And that's really about it because that neural system fries down. Right. And so going back to that concept again of uh, making sure that Let's work on it, but we got to look at it in what the science has told us, and mm-hmm. and how your body feels, and how it recovers, and yeah. getting into that. And I think that's came from that overzealous of like, no, you don't need to do everything, a whole bunch of things at once, <laughs> or do fifty of these reps today. Yep, yep.
0: absolutely. Yep, quality over quantity. But yeah. I totally agree. If you want to be fast, you got to move and train fast. Yes, you know, and if you want to be in in slow is a relative term because i mean distance runners still move extremely fast when you're a talented distance runner but slower in relation to a sprint speed that you know if you want to move slow you, you train slow like you train at those cadences but if you need to be explosive for the next 50 meters you gotta really move and train that and not lose that feeling in your body in the actions that support that so i i completely agree
1: well and the other thing too is i always like to tell the tell my athletes that we're gonna get faster today without being running fast because we're gonna teach our body how to move, or pounding our body we're gonna teach it how to move faster because of the way we land correctly in our body position mm-hmm. uh, just recently i was telling one of our girls is that when we do our 150 or 200 work at 75 percent which is that's kind of our speed endurance day i tell them i really want you to work on your cadence mm-hmm. i said we don't have to push off the ground hard we don't have to land hard but I want you to cycle through and mm-hmm. think about that that pop 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 pops on that pop 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 with each step because mm-hmm. that's longer and slower we want to get that cadence and then we we chair our neural system our mind in that rhythm then we when we go out speed we're actually going to have a faster turnover right and we're gonna have the power built in at that time yep and then we're going to even be faster yet. You know, I, I looked at um, the runner, uh, Rosin from Stevens Point. Mm-hmm. Watching her run her 800 and 400, it's just totally aggressive and totally turnover. I said, that's what a all-out sprinter's got to look like. You mm-hmm. know, you have to be aggressive, especially at that 400 sprint, you know, and yeah. 800 runs. you got to have that turnover going and, and keep attacking, I guess, is what we like to call it the yeah. attack mode. Yeah. Because if you just kind of sit in those long strides, you're going to get slower. And that's where that attack mode had pushed. And I thought... That's a great vision there of, of what that athlete has improved on.
0: Absolutely. No, I think that's a great um, kind of explanation of that theory. Um, so, I mean, clearly this is not your original trait by any means. You know, we're you know into computers and education and things like that. So obviously you had to start collecting information and learning about this sport and things like that. So what are some of your greatest sources of inspiration that you have used to cultivate yourself as a coach and like what you take with you today
1: uh, I think it started back when I was about in like second or third grade and my sisters both ran in high school mm-hmm. I remember being at their meets and cheering them on and you know I, and actually my first uh, high school track meet I was in fourth grade uh, my sister, Jill, was doing an alumni track race, and they needed one more person for the four-lap relay, and so she asked me, so I was in fourth grade doing a four-lap relay at West Elf Central High School, That's amazing. which is funny, and then I remember going to my sister Julie's meets and you know back in the early eighties collecting cans and aluminum was important and so I remember I'd go around and collecting cans but then go cheering my sister during her race but I'd be looking in the garbage cans so all sorts of fun <laughs> stuff like that. But no that's that I guess, you know, being exposed to it at a young age, I liked yeah. it and I just thought I was quick and fast and so that's how I got into running when I was yeah. younger and then took that route obviously in high school and yeah. When it came to coaching, um, I just I just really enjoyed, you know, coaching kids and running and I have a love for it and i just want other kids to have that love you know mr p at west l central was a great uh, cross-country coach he uh i just enjoyed it i loved it i just want to give that same thing back to the athletes and the kids that i work with is that yeah. this is fun and i hope you have a lifelong love for the sport yeah and that's one of my goals is that i don't want you burnt out and i want to give you a progression that you can keep on get- enjoying it as you go along absolutely and i think that's kind of where it started off was you know with high school that yeah, with mr posinski and what, what he did for me and. After that, it's been great. I've had great people uh, along the way to help me out uh, with coaching. So you're talking about, you know, what's my inspirations and all that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a a few things I'd like to give a few shout-outs to a few people that helped me along the way. Of course. You know, Ken Strunk at Badger High School gave me my chance, and he says, you're in charge of those. Go to it. So he gave me responsibility and he didn't oversee and he just let me go and learn. And you know, I learned how to coach high jump. And I was fortunate after him, my second year coaching, I got a high jumper to state, and we had had some fun with that. You That's know, awesome. and, and and Mike Butch over at Badger High School also with cross country. You know, uh, I look at him as he's I call him my god brother. So he's a, <laughs> he's a, he's helped me through a lot of things, and he's been my main mentor from day one. And yeah you know, it's been great to have him, and him and I still talk to this day, and so that's been helpful, and then when I went over to Franklin High School, um, Don Kurth was the girls' head coach there, and convinced me to do the head coaching job, and, you know, if you're going to do it, you do sprints, so that's when I got into sprints all of a sudden, (laughs) and and it it worked out great, Um, and then Jack Herbert's been over there for 30 years, and He's phenomenal mind. Uh, you know, one thing he's taught me he says if you gotta get an athlete to get in the right body position, think of ways you can trick them into it. And mm-hmm. you know, he's giving me those thought process now. He says, yeah. "Okay, I need the, I need their body to do this. What can I do?" And then I think some creative way. And you know, so yeah. Jack's helped me out with that over the years. And uh, Chuck Bova, which was a coach at uh, Waksha North, I believe, and maybe Earlhead, but he's the one that taught me some sprint stuff at our coaches clinic. Um, our wisconsin track coaches association we have a clinic every year one of the best ones in the nation for high school coaches and yeah chuck uh, had this sprint program and is based off of his research he did a lot of clyde hart research and that which is and i kind of followed that to begin with and it's it's changed and morphed over time but i have some elements of that it, that are important in there and he's really helped me get off the ground with sprinting and it made a difference right away at franklin high school with our guys team and one of my things is when i took a ride post there the first thing was that every kid that's a sprinter is going to run the 400. Because yeah. it's an attitude race. Absolutely. you got to know how to survive the pain. That's right. And that worked out yeah. great from that point. And, you know, we, we changed the, the mindset and the philosophy there, and it, it was awesome. Because at mm-hmm. that point, people wanted to be on the 4x4 team, and they were having success. It's and a fun race, too. It is. And, it, you know, it's one of the glorious races, of course, Yeah, you know, in track and field. Because it ends the meet, and it can decide, you know, championships. For sure. And that's why you love it. You know, you're trying to get those kids that just want that, that desire. Mm-hmm. But over time, the, those people have had a big influence on me. Uh, coaching where I'm at right now. And currently, you know, Rich Rainey has been a, a good man with uh, things at Mosquito, you know, he gave me an opportunity there to grow. And Kale Brown, who I worked with, I know yeah. he's been here and Kale was, uh, you know, being a young guy, he has some great ideas bright and stuff. Lined. Yeah. And I said, I, you can never stop learning from people. I don't care how old they are. And I said, I'm just going to sit and listen to you. I'll see where it f- fits in or not. But I said, I'll keep my, I'll keep my open mind about that. You know, that's been very yeah. helpful. And, uh, you know, Jen Moore, I coach with currently over there, she's been great, and uh, Coach Misho over at Muskego also, yeah. and Coach uh, Owen Jarrett, the boy sprint coach, he's had phenomenal success with his sprinters, and I would say about four years ago, I said uh, one of, uh, to Kale, I said, I'm tired of us getting to stay in the sprint relays, but let's get on that medal stand. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of talked to Owen a little bit more, gave me a few more ideas that we worked on, and it made a difference. That following year, we took third in the 4 by one and 4 by 2 and, awesome. and it's been doing, and they've set some school records along the way. and. Yeah, so those people have been big influences on my coaching and, and uh, where I'm at today. And I think the last of all would be our Coaches Association has a Gary clinic, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I've, I've been going to that for 20, 25 years. Now I just said how old I am. so. <laughs> but uh, as it turns out that we have co- world-class coaches and college coaches that speak at this and some of our best high school coaches. And I've picked up something every year from people there and, you know, from uh, – uh, from Baden to uh, Bo Schnecksnader to uh, Paul Zuza, you, you name some of the sprint people I've seen over the years there, uh, currently Chris Korfist, which is a big research, and uh, his stuff he does outside the Chicago area, uh, just phenomenal. I've picked up a lot of great things from there, and I keep reading and watching videos and analyzing and piecing all together, as yeah. you and I were talking before, and it, our coaching style is a piece of a whole bunch of different people that inspired mm-hmm. us, and I think that's where it comes from.
0: Absolutely, and it's as much an art form as it is a science. You know, you're taking in all this information from all these different places and making it your own because it's part of. It. It's also about how you, as a coach, can articulate things and teach things to your kids and kind of sift down all this information. But yeah, you are a compilation of all of these influences around you, and I think it's actually what makes. A lot of this really cool is that it's not just one idea it's oh, yeah. a whole bunch of ideas that and you trial some stuff and some things work and some things don't you know it's just oh, it's, for sure it, like you said, it's always a learning process and I 100% agree that if you go in with the attitude of I can learn from anyone no matter who you are I mm-hmm. honestly sometimes learn from my athletes at oh. times too just working with them you know you really do if you listen, you can learn from anyone around you. It doesn't matter if you're new to it or you've been doing it for fifty years.
1: You yeah, know. that is true. Um, also, I want to thank all the people who've done poor stuff out there field because you learn what to not go. to do, what not to do. Absolutely, too, so.
0: you learn as much of what you and, want to do as much as what you don't yeah. want to do. And, and yeah, it's it's like it's...
1: I don't want to be like that, so now mm-hmm. I learned from that. You know that happens sometimes out there, but Absolutely. I think that's a good thing. You know, that's when, life. Yeah, you know I think that's why I look at at sport. I said I've seen athletes been yelled at by coaches. I'm like. Why would I want to do that? This is supposed to be a release. This is supposed to be fun. I'm not going to yell. Yeah. I'm going to talk to them. And, you know, if there's an issue, you know, let's say whatever. But let's have a conversation and be respectful. I think that's Absolutely. that's the reason why. So I think, you know, you think of those types of things, too, that have affected you and how you approach things, too.
0: Absolutely. And I think one of the coolest parts about this age, I think junior high, high school, and college in general, you have this unique opportunity to help shape kids. Mm-hmm and who they're gonna become as adults. And, you know, especially for you, you're prepping them for college, especially if they're gonna participate in sports in college. Like, you really do have this unique chance of four years to help develop them as a young adult. And like, how do we interact? How do we learn? How do I handle stress? How do I appreciate what my coaches are doing for me? Things like that. And I think that outside of looking at the coaching side of it, just looking at the human development side of it, it's a unique privilege to be a part of a kid's life for that long of a period of time and be able to, you know, interact with them and have an impact on them. And I think if we can always remember that that's the bigger picture, like you're saying, if we're having fun, like that's the goal, but like remembering that we're not just coaching them, we're literally impacting their life during this
1: time. I just say sports is a tool to lifelong lessons. Absolutely. Cause, you know, some of the hardest things um, I've observed with my, my own family, you know, coaching my own kids and not seeing them get to the level they wanted to or you know, something happens, yeah. and you know, knowing that, okay, this is sport though, you know, and you're going to come back from it. You know, I've been very fortunate to see that, and blessed to see my girls uh, yeah. do what they've done and my son, and yeah. so it's great, and I know that they've had challenges, but they've gotten through it, which is awesome. Yeah, yep. so. and
0: learning how to overcome adversity is a very important skill in life, no matter how you cut it.
1: Oh, yeah, huge skill.
0: <laughs> so, I know this has been a very atypical year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, coronavirus, but uh, we're luckily going to have some semblance of a season this year, which is really exciting for you guys, so give us the scouting report. What is this spring looking like for Muskego, and what can we maybe be excited to look
1: forward to here? Well, a couple things. uh, I kind of think about where are we at in that, and so our juniors, they were out freshman year, so they had a full freshman year, they had nothing last year. Mm -hmm. Our seniors have had at least a couple seasons, which is good. But yeah. we look at our sophomores, they didn't have anything. So we really yeah. don't know our sophomores. We saw them for about five days last spring. Yeah. That's about it. And It's crazy. I really got to know any names as it was. And mm-hmm. I, I felt bad. But, you know, that time went quick and our freshmen. So we're trying to train two groups at once to get to know them. And What I see is that, you know, we have Grace Lundy. Uh, she ran our 4x4 at State. And she's, she's looking in great condition right now. So that's going to be one of our benefits. We have, like, she's a junior, Carly Tesh. Uh, these are just our sprinters mm-hmm. I'm more or less focused on. And, yeah. uh, you know, Anush- Anushka is uh, a senior. My daughter, Teresa is a senior. Yeah. Uh, we picked up a couple of other girls that are seniors that who knows what they might do. You know, Lexi, uh, looking for that, you know. Grace's sister Ella is also in there, and so we're looking forward to them and what they can do. I know they developed; they've gotten stronger, and uh, they've all some of them done cross country, so I know they've been actively involved in, yeah. in doing things. So looking forward to that. Um, in pole vault, Kendall Halen, she's uh, you know been at pole vault club using that, and she's a phenomenal pole vault to begin with, and she's a sophomore. That's looking cool. forward to her, and so for our sprints, that's why I kind of see throws. We got Mims back, but. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what depth we have there yet. You know, yeah. we're still waiting to see as our season Time starts up like April 19th. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, our distance is strong. You know, I've been yeah. around it. We have a great crew. you have a large senior group. Uh, they're going to be really strong. You know, you go from Jackums to Oxborough Sisters to to Nicole Dewar to Spurka. You know, you, you name them in there. Felton. Mm-hmm. All of them have been awesome over the years. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to be strong again. We have great depth there. Yeah. And so I think, you know, we can... Hopefully, we'll see where the season goes. We never, I actually never really ever talk about winning. We always just talk about getting better today and whatever happens, happens. Because we can only control what we do and we can't control other people. And so I think that's a really important message too that we tell them is that focus on what you control and whatever happens, happens. At least know you got better. I think
0: that's just a good all-around message to anyone and especially young developing athletes. Oh, yes. Okay. So lightning round. So those are some fun questions. Ding, ding, ding. Here we go. Yep. Coach has no idea what I'm going to ask him, but this will be a fun way for you to get to know him a little bit more. So first question, easy one. If you weren't a high school math teacher,
1: what would you be? I would probably do carpentry work because that's what I kind of did during my summers and I enjoyed it and I worked with my brother and learned a lot of skills. Very interesting. I like building things. Very cool.
0: I like that one. The next question, I'm going to steal this from Kale's interview with Dr. Brett, but I like this question. So if you had to live on a deserted island for the rest of your life and you could only take one food with you, what would it be? One food. That you knew you had to eat every day for the rest of your life bunches of oats every morning bowl <laughs> of cereal and a glass of water that's awesome kale's answer was mashed potatoes and gravy yes <laughs> i love that so i actually kind of know the answer to this already but so you your family has a lot of competitive nature to it you've got a ton of athletes your kids are super active it sounds like you guys do a lot of stuff together if you raced your kids tomorrow
1: who would win well, no doubt, me. No doubt at all. So, got that, Abigail, Elizabeth, Mary, Therese, Paul. There we go, ladies. You better be listening there. <laughs> That's awesome. You
0: know, you got to keep them on their toes. You got to make them work for it. You know. That's right. That's awesome. I guarantee them,
1: and... I come away you no know, unhurt, but I it's going to happen.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, true or false, can you still execute a good handstand and a back handspring?
1: I've actually never done the back handspring, but I can do the handstand.
0: Oh, Yes. I, I might have to see one. evidence of this, and I'll report it to everybody
1: else. So Yes, that I can still do is the handstand.
0: Probably picked up a few tricks watching your kids do gymnastics over the years, I'm guessing. I, I've
1: learned a few tricks. I think as a kid, I loved doing handstands. At one point, I was able to walk like a basketball court on my hands. That's impressive. Uh, Because I just loved gymnastics watching as a kid. But it's funny, my kids got involved in gymnastics, my wife, because she got them into a young age. I never knew anything about the club stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, I had nothing to do with their gymnastics, as all my wife.
0: Yeah, but you get to be exposed to it, and I'm sure you had some fun with it
1: along the way. I still don't know what any of the things they do are called. (laughs) I just, I video, I cheer them on, say, great job, that was a great twisty flip thing you did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty tough, because you got to know all the names that are involved in them. It's not just the movement, it's you know, a certain person's last name exactly. to their movements. So, yeah.
1: I kind of enjoy not knowing that stuff. It's yeah. one less thing I have to know of because that leaves mine open for more track stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to
0: say, it adds a whole other element to what your brain has to process. Okay, so last, last question, and I'm actually stealing this question from Mike Robertson, who does a podcast, and I actually really like this um, question to kind of close this out. If you had to give the younger version of yourself one piece of
1: advice, what would it be? One piece of advice. Don't do that. <laughs> we'll leave it at that.
0: Hey, you know, everyone's got to learn, right? Well, thank you so much, Coach Michonne, for joining us today. Um, you can follow Mosquito Track on Instagram and Twitter at Mosquito XCTF. There's a little bit of posting on there, not a lot, but obviously, you can also get their. They post stuff on their high school website as well about their successes. And given your success, we also see you guys in the news on the sports pages as well. So, But if you're interested, you can always follow them on those accounts. So thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today on the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. And we will see you all on the next podcast.
2: Hey, Dr. Michael here. I want to say a sincere thank you for taking the time to listen to that episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. Dr. Brett, Lauren, and I are all extremely passionate about this podcast and trying to use it to help share high-quality, factual information and debunk some of the common myths and misconceptions that we see around athletic performance and rehabilitation. If you have a minute, we would sincerely appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes or sharing this podcast with a teammate, coach, or colleague who you think may benefit. We want as many people to be able to hear and listen to this information as possible. Lastly, if you are on social media, head over to our page at MKE Sports Podcast or at Kinetic underscore SMP to follow us so that you get all the latest information. We love to engage, so leave a comment on this podcast, tell us what you learned, or feel free to ask us a question. We sincerely appreciate all of the support, and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode.